welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, the Rainbow Bastion for all things pro wrestling. My name is Brian Bell, and I am very happy to have all of you join me here once again uh, to talk all things LGBTQ pro wrestling. Um, last week's episode with Sophie King was outstanding. Um, a lot of good feedback off of that, and just it was an all-around awesome time. Uh, it was an, it was an awesome experience getting to hear their story um, and their perspective uh, within the the industry um, as a uh, non-binary individual. Um, and we're going to carry that forward this week with um, one Billy Dixon, uh, probably best known for working uh, in the Northeast for A Matter of Pride, and also recently with Primetime Pro Wrestling. Um, Billy is a uh, a queer black wrestler, a queer black man, who does not pull any punches inside or outside of the ring, and I love him for that. Um, he's very vocal about... Uh, the rise and role of the queer community within pro wrestling, but also uh, with a uh, specific focus on the black the the black queer community um, within that industry and within society as well, and for good reason, I would say. I I really wanted him to be on the show um, to both kind of showcase that perspective and really boil down to some of the issues that he um, has been very vocal about and has been trying to work to correct in the industry. You know, we get a lot into the intersectionality of, of race, politics, um, queer issues, um, and pro wrestling, uh, and how they maybe haven't mixed as well in the past and how they really should mix. Um, it's a it's a real interesting discussion and um, I don't know, I, Billy was someone who was on my short list whenever I first had the opportunity um, to do this show um, thanks to Outsports. Um, so this was this was an awesome experience for me, and I hope that it is just as awesome for you. Um, I'm not going to run too long here, because uh, this, this conversation is worth getting into, and I'm super excited for all of you awesome fans and listeners to hear it. Um, I will go ahead and say that uh, we did record this right uh, cl- in close proximity to the announcement that Jim Cornette had resigned from the NWA. Um, due to his racially insensitive remarks uh, during commentary on in- on the episode of NWA Power from this uh, this past Tuesday, so um, that is that do- that is that does come up um, right off the bat. Um, anyway, let's talk to Billy Dixon, the new classic. 
All right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And I am very pleased to have as my guest this week um, someone who I've wanted to have on the show for a while. Um, probably best known for his work in A Matter of Pride up there in uh, the New York area. But also, from what I've seen, uh, recently a lot of work with Primetime Pro Wrestling in the D.C. area, um, especially considering that he is apparently going to be in what is what is called a capital heights match i am curious about this at the invitational grand prix tournament of tournaments classic and international uh for primetime pro wrestling on january 18th please welcome uh the new classic uh bx in the building mr billy dixon how are you doing today what's popping brian how are you i'm doing good. oh awesome i am doing ecstatic uh I'm having a, a nice chill day for the most part, but I have been super excited, looking forward to sitting down and talking with you. Um, I know the last time that I, I know uh, a couple weeks back, I wrote a, a piece highlighting the Uncanny Attractions Drags and Dropkick show. And in that, um, I did speak a lot about the um, <laughs> the bodega brawl that you had with Ariel and Nix. And before we get into anything today, I just have to say, that match was the epitome of ridiculous entertainment. I enjoyed the hell out of that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you so much. We worked really hard. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. <laughs> I mean, it had to take at least a couple hours to get all those thumbtacks on that chunkla. So and to get them out my asshole. Yes. Oh yes. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So it was key. You know. Yes. Uh, so I, I wanted to have you on the show um, this week, mainly because I know I noticed a couple weeks ago, you know, you've all you've been very vocal about the the queer community within pro wrestling. Um, and I noticed that you're, you you speak a lot about uh, not just the visibility of the queer community, but of the queer black community. Um, and this show, uh, from day one, I've wanted to showcase all facets of, of the LGBTQ sphere. I wanted to get every bit of the alphabet soup in there. Um, and so I really wanted to have you on the show to kind of, you know, discuss that presence. Um, but of course, in the past 24 hours, um, we've seen something else go down in terms of uh, the, I guess, the, the, the black community uh, in pro wrestling, most uh, particularly with uh, NWA power and the Jim Cornette situation, he said some uh, said a very racially insensitive thing on the show. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the hours after that, we saw the the quote unquote apology from Dave Lagana, um, which honestly get like get the fuck out of here with that. Um, and then. Cornette himself uh, resigned from the NWA after that. Um, and of course that lit Twitter up. Uh, so I'm just curious um, as a, as a queer black wrestler or queer black man, even um, how did that, how, how did you been reacting to the situation? Have you been internalizing the situation and do you have any comment about it? I guess. Well, <clears throat> I was actually, um, uh, Prior to contrary belief, I don't live on social media. So during the time where all of this was going down and the scuttlebutt was happening, I was actually um, 
writing a rap. So I was just, you know, focused on that. And then I get back on social media and I see how this happened. And I looked for the clip and I saw the clip and I said, you know, let me not be reactionary in this moment. Let me sit on it. Let me chew. Let me think. Because I think that we like to make things black and white, no pun intended, or like this kind of like, I think social media conversation and in particular wrestling Twitter conversation, we don't allow there to be nuance. We don't allow the conversation to, to have ebb and flow in my personal view. So I woke up and I thought about it. And I think that there's a couple of things that I want to unpack here. I think that what Jim Cornette said was racially insensitive. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. Um, Jim Cornette has made those comments in the past before. He is known for being controversial. He is known for not being quote unquote politically correct. So in that respect, I think it's a little naive to think that he's gonna all of a sudden uphold these 2019 morality standards that we have. You know, it, it's almost like, a, it's like when you buy a vehicle, like a, like a used car, right? And the sale is as is, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily surprised that, you know, Jimmy made those kind of comments. Um, do I believe that Jim Cornette is a racist? In my personal view, I do not. I, I, I think that he's a shock jock. I think that, you know, he likes to say very um, colorful Southern analogies and being uh, the grandchild of two grandparents from the South, there are a lot of Southern analogies that are very, um, I guess you could say derogatory in nature. But, you know, I think Cornette and the powers that be, you know, have a responsibility to do better. And the timing of that and this conversation of where where are the Black wrestlers in the National Wrestling Alliance and things like that, you know, I think that it just was a perfect storm. Um, You know, I think, you know, Cornette has to take responsibility for the feelings that were hurt. Um, I think, you know, I think Dave Lagana, um, his apology could have been worded better. You know, I think it could have been spoken better, but you know, and it, it, it just, it's just, it's a really unfortunate thing. I'm not gonna brand people racist because, you know, that leads down a, a hole of, pointing fingers and and then calling people hypocrites and who's an Uncle Tom and who's a coon and well, how can you be black power and work for Vince McMahon and all? It's just like, when we start going down that rabbit hole, we're just creating more negative um, air and energy and aura, in my opinion. And I would really prefer that this strong reaction and energy and focus actually go to the Pan-African World Diaspora Wrestling Championship, Fight Club or Wrestling, uh, AJ Grace for the Culture. I would much prefer that the conversation becomes active for the positive things instead of passive. So while Jim Cornette was wrong, he resigned, it's over. It's over. We have to just let that be over. And I, I, I just would much rather see positive energy being put into positive things. We get it, racism sucks. We get it, like, we, we, we as black wrestlers, we are going through this and we're telling you our experience. But at the same time, you know, I really wanna see the energy put towards the actual change and the movement. 
we should be able to say this is bad, but we're not hearing enough of, well, these are the good things. And for me, like, I want to hear more of these are the good things. I think that's a sentiment that, that we can all get behind, honestly. Like, I think the first one of the first things that did pop in my head was the the, the For the Culture event that that is going to be happening as part of the collective down there in Tampa in April. Um, and, you know, I think I think what you're saying is true. Like, a lot of the reaction around this has been just a lot of pointing fingers. And if if something good can come for come out of this for organizations that support um, wrestlers of color, then you know, by all means, I think that might be that's probably the best situation that can really result from from everything here. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, looking back, a lot of the behavior I found to be performative. I found to be a lot of it is like, this is a chance to get cloud points. To me, when the majority of tweets I'm seeing about this issue are coming from white voices, that's the problem. Mm. That's the problem. That's, that's, you know, there's a thing of using your privilege for good, right? And that's awesome. But there's a point where you're going out of your way to say you don't approve of something that you're losing the plot. And I think that what happens when these things happen, when somebody when somebody makes an oopsie or somebody does something shitty, it's like there's this contest to be who's the most disapproving. And I think mm-hmm. that sometimes legitimate people's voices and opinions get washed out and drowned out by those people looking to get the 10 followers from this controversy. And that's happening more and more and more. And you know, when a racist incident happens, People should not be trying to audition for a job. That's tactless. That's classless. Hmm. It's fucked up. Yeah. People should not be saying, well, do you need a commentator? No. We're talking about this isolated incident. If you want a job, send an email with your resume. That's what you can do. So I think what happens is, is when these things happen and there's just cause and outrage, agendas become clear and there's so much noise that we lose the messaging of what we want to get across and i think that that's what happens a lot now with wrestling twitter Mm. i mean i can't i can't really disagree with you on that like a lot of the i mean just wrestling twitter twitter in general a lot of that is is kind of pointed in that direction um over the past couple of years so absolutely yeah I I appreciate you talking about that uh, to start off with. That really wasn't the plan going into this, but uh, just had to had to touch on it there. Current events. What can I say? Exactly. Exactly. But um, let's let's refocus back onto you because um, your your story um, pre pro wrestling and within the industry as well is really interesting and um, indicative of all too much of like some of the issues and experiences that a lot of, um, for lack of a better word, underprivileged are are at risk LGBT youth go through um, sometimes. So, you know, I know you were, you were born um, in the Bronx. Um, You are not in the Bronx anymore, but I I think that a lot of the the time that you spent in the area um, was, well, I don't know. Better, rather than say it myself, let me ask you. Talk, tell me about um, your origin, like, like your your youth, um, maybe coming into pro wrestling, where you found pro wrestling in your life. And... 
Okay, so yeah, I'm from the South Bronx. I'm from Claremont Village in Morrisania. Uh, I'm, you know, I was, I lived on Washington Avenue by Webster Avenue in the Bronx. And I lived with my grandparents growing up and my grandfather loved uh, NWA, WCW. And my grandmother loved the WWF. And growing up, we watched both Nitro and Raw and um, we would have arguments over who would win matches. <laughs> and you know the 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 hood revered wrestling it was it was it was the attitude era yeah all of that but it was just it was a magical time um because you know it was it was you know kids would be arguing about who won at the pay-per-view and you know i, I tell this story all the time but i was a little kid and there was like a neighborhood like a cookout and this guy was making these like balloon uh, hammers and I got a Stone Cold Steve Austin one and you know <laughs> wrestling was always in my house you know my first my first real memory is Wrestlemania 17 and watching China beat Ivory for the women's title and a little bit before then probably it's hazy as I get older but like China and Jericho and things like that and I was always drawn to like the pageantry the performance the, the theater aspect of it it's it's interesting that you um mentioned the China Jericho um feud from like that period right before WrestleMania 17 because I think that that's one of the I think that's one of the um the storylines from the Attitude Era that is kind of getting a, like a renewed focus on it especially in the the current era where intergender wrestling is starting to get uh more normalized um within the industry um was there any like was there anything specific about um, about that storyline or like anything else um, China related that really spoke to you at, at that point in your life? Well, yeah, because a lot of it was unintentional feminism. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't do that on purpose. They did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and China, the character, not Joni Lauer. Joni Lauer was a woman and she identified as such and she was a feminine woman. But China, the character, really explored the themes of what is womanhood and, and gender and identity and masculinity and femininity. And basically the character just basically exposed that it's all bullshit. And as a young gaby, it was just like really profound. And at four and five years old, you don't know that you're gay. You know what I mean? Things like that. I mean, you, you, you know that there's something that's not similar to other people. Mm -hmm. But that really spoke to me. And like Jeff Hardy and like him being so feminine with the hair and the armbands and his expression was very, very opposite of the roster. And I think that these things were unintentional. But that exploration of her was really uh, food to my young soul. And that's why I always look at her with such reverence because her career was ahead of its time. And the themes and everything touched upon were phenomenal, you know, and a little bit more progressive than the stuff we see today, if I'm being frank, but, you know, it was really powerful back then. Very, very powerful. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I think obviously they, they looked into any kind of feminist storyline back then, but that was one of the beauties of the attitude era was that it allowed for the creation of these characters that, 
intended or not, showcase the, the uniqueness that people have, whether it be you know sexuality, commenting on gender, um, just fashion, like like you were talking about with Jeff Hardy, just like something that sets yourself apart and it gives different people something to grab onto and, and kind of start to see themselves in some way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. More That's, than any other era in wrestling. I will definitely agree with you on that. I think it definitely went a far more generic <laughs> in the years after that. Uh, and especially now, I don't think that there's enough characters where I think wrestlers are so worried about being good wrestlers, they forgot that they have to be characters and gimmicks and workers in the in the I, in the sense of like we're all Barbies. Which Barbie are you? Mm-hmm. We have too many good wrestler Barbies. I want to see more other kind of Barbies. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. And honestly, I think that's one reason why the like the recent rise of queer wrestling culture is actually pretty pretty significant because like yes there are good workers within the queer community that that step into the ring but so much of of so many of the people that are in that circle are bringing like the camp and the like the fierceness the 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 culture from like built up in cities like New York um cities like San Francisco and bringing those that that culture into wrestling to the point where like they are creating characters all like basically creating this renaissance of character work well because people forget that wrestling is faggotry they don't want to ever say it they yeah. don't ever want to say it or acknowledge it but it is it is it's pomp it's circumstance it's pulling stunts it's drag this is drag it's no different no um uh, I, I think that's why the queer wrestlers elicit strong reactions because once you get past the point where it's like, oh, this guy sucks dick, and then you realize that on a card with a bunch of straight wrestlers, he has a much more clear, defined understanding of his character and where it's going, or hers, or theirs, or none of those, um, to compare to their straight counterparts, hetero counterparts, cis counterparts. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, queer wrestlers, we kind of have to... Uh, be out the gate knowing what we are, knowing our branding, and then more importantly, knowing how to stick out, stand out. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you on that. Like, I think that's, that's, that's been one of the best parts for, for me to watch this, this rebirth in a lot of ways, or in some ways just a birth, because like, let's be frank, like there was not that much of, there was really not that much of this, out celebration um for with with uh, lgbtq pro wrestlers at any well, other point really they were they were always there it was a lot of open secrets it was a lot of if you know you know and it was a lot of unspoken you know yeah. and, and and it's because oh fuck it i don't, I don't give a shit it's because there's a lot of cloud cases in the industry and mm-hmm. they're very threatened by outness from the tippy top in both major companies to your shindies and everywhere in between there are closet cases in wrestling that 100 percent. and listen i've grown up a lot and i used to hate closet cases and all that kind of thing everybody has their reasons everybody has their reasons so i'm not going to chastise you but 
that's a big reason why this movement is happening now and it, and it couldn't happen 10, 15, 20 years ago. Do you think any of the change in attitude towards like closet cases, not necessarily for you personally, but like in terms of the, the industry kind of came after um, what happened to, to Chris Canyon? Well, Chris Canyon is a super tragic story. Yeah. But the thing about Chris Canyon is that he wasn't a closet case. Mm. He never was. You know? Okay, maybe I misunderstood that then. Oh, yeah, he was out. He was definitely out. Okay. He struggled with his sexuality. Okay. But he was out, and, and everyone knew it. And, I, you know, it's just, in a lot of ways, was he, okay, when we, when we, when we look at this construct of outness, you know, we, what I may consider out and what he may consider out are two different things. You know, was there an understanding that he was a gay man? Yes. Was he very vocal and expressive that he was a gay man? Probably not. Compared to what you would see in the current generation, you know what I mean? So, you know, yeah. Chris Canyon was very, Chris Canyon is, is, is a very soft spot for me. And a big reason why I pitched for a matter of pride to do the Chris Canyon Memorial Battle Royal. Because I thought he didn't live to see where it could have been okay. He didn't live to see him get his flowers for taking that, that abuse and that, and, and that trauma. You know, he's a part of our legacy and our history. And I, and I thought it was a good idea to, to pay homage. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I, I, I'm right there with you, honestly. Like, I, I know I'm saying that a lot, but I think we just have a, share a lot of the same viewpoints when it comes to this thing, stuff. And, and seeing <laughs> that his name attached to that battle royal uh, at Diva Mania for a matter of pride was, I think, vindicating in a lot of ways. You know, it, it honored the memory of someone who, let's be frank, like within pro wrestling, um, at least mainstream pro wrestling, some he's kind of mentioned as a as a punchline and sometimes, you know, like somebody yeah, who and, and he was really talented. That's the sad part. Yeah. He was really, really good. He was really like his stuff with DDP, like he was athletic, you know, he 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 was an innovator. Right. Just wrong wrong place wrong time yeah if he was 10 years younger it'd be a different story oh completely i mean i think he would be thriving right now yeah um well since we did bring up a matter of pride in a in a roundabout way um i guess let's, let's double back when do you start to realize that you want to um be a, a pro wrestler um like what? What? At what moment did you um, see yourself wanting to step into the ring? Uh, so it's actually funny because I thought I had the story right all these years, but I actually realized that I got the order wrong. Oh, okay. So in, uh, in interviews, I said one thing, but this is actually really what happened. Now that I have this catharsis about it, it's like I was in college. I didn't want to be in college. My family forced me to go to college. And I was just sitting there hating life. And I remember there was a live event. And I went to the live event and it was 
Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, and I think Naomi in the tag match. And I remember sitting there, and the rest of the show was good. Like, Lana cut this great promo. Like, The Miz had this great match. Like, the Lucha guys did some cool shit. Uh, I think it was, like, Sankara and, like, somebody else. I don't remember. Um, But the women's match came on. I'm a big women's fan. Um, And I remember it was Sasha Banks in particular. And I just started crying in the middle of the match. Like, I just was just like, it was this moment, this tidal wave of like, you don't want to be in college. You, you, that's where you want to be. You want to be in a ring. You want to be performing. You want to be doing your thing. So I left before the main event, which is Kevin Owens, John Cena in a table match. I don't think I missed much that night. Um, uh, house show main event brother Um, uh, so I just I I went to school I unenrolled and then I looked for training schools and I started to to train Brad I mean that's an awesome story actually I, I it's it's interesting to me to to hear that you were so emotionally moved by, not necessarily by that match in particular, because I, especially at that time, like that was around like the beginning of the quote unquote women's revolution um, that was happening in WWE, even though it had been happening for a while before that down in NXT. Um, but I guess it was it's, it's interesting to to hear that because. I think some of the the emotional impact that wrestling has on the people that are so passionate about it can gets lost sometimes um in in the fanfare of it all. I mean it's a very it, it, I am deeply passionate about wrestling to the point where you know you know there are a lot of times with the conversations with other wrestlers promoters it can get emotional because you're discussing and you're you're about something that has loved you and you've loved when there was no one else to love, you mm-hmm. know, or when times got hard or whatever. Yeah. So it was just, it was a tidal wave of just, this is where uh, I was at the right place at the right time. Cause I wasn't going to go to the house show. Oh really? If I'm not going to that house show, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. Because hmm. I was kind of falling off out of wrestling because I didn't think it was that great at the time. Um, I mean, the girls were just kicking ass, but like, I was like, huh, maybe there's time to explore new things in life, you know, <laughs> new hobbies. And little yeah. did I know, it was only the start. <laughs> it's funny how things just kind of seem to sink their hooks into you even deeper at like the not to say the oddest of times, but the the times where you don't necessarily expect it. Absolutely. Okay, so Sasha Banks and and Becky Lynch and and all the the awesome women in that match they they bring you to tears. They get you into the mode of where you want to be in the ring, um, and you decide to go get trained. Uh, whenever you decide that, and whenever you're starting out, like. Are, are you having any apprehension because of um, your sexuality? Um, I mean, to quote Paris's burning, being black is hard, but if you're black and gay, you, you got a hard way to fucking go. You know, and I just remember that being in the back of my head of like, 
this is going to be, this is not going to be easy. Like, I remember telling myself that, and I still tell myself that, you know, this is not going to be easy, you know? And then for me, because I'm loud and opinionated and, you know, you're not going to pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Um, it's going to be even more hard. So, uh, you know, I went into training with the idea of like, I know that I'm going to have to work five times as hard, but I know that when I really want to do something and I really want to prove something, there's nothing that can stop me. And I know that the, the passion, the studying, the, the, the love I have for the business will help me get to where I want to be. It's going to take me longer, but it will get me where I want to be. I, I mean, that's, that's a that's a, a good perspective I think to have on it. I mean, obviously it's not good in that you know those sort of hindrances shouldn't be there. But at the same time, like it's it's a realistic way to look at it, considering the the culture that's been around for wrestling for the longest time. Mm -hmm. Um, so whenever you do start training, um, like what was your experience like? Um, just like first stepping into the ring, learning like kind of getting the grasp of what you wanted to do. Oh, it sucked. It sucked. I was, trained <laughs> at a, I, 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 was, I was trained at a place where the people teaching me how to wrestle were not super qualified. Wow. Uh, I had a good trainer, though, named Kevin Weston that really, while his knowledge wasn't vast as far as mechanically in the ring, his knowledge of psychology and history and characters and and and, and and, 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 and because he was in MMA, understanding why this hold hurts and why that hold hurts really helped me get a really good foundation. But I worked really hard. Um, I was the first one there, the last one to leave. Training would be from six to nine at night. I mm. never left a training until 2.33 in the morning. Oof. I wow. wanted it that bad. I wanted, I, I, I can't explain how like that, I, I miss that feeling um, from training of like, I'm going to get my ass beat, I'm going to puke, and it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to do it again. <laughs> and, and taking bumps, oh my God. So my first ever bump, I landed completely sideways, and my trainer, Kevin, looked at me, he was like, he has this funny accent, he goes, son. I don't know what the hell that was. In all my years, I've never seen some son of a bitch take that shit sideways. Get up and do it again. <laughs> and I would just, you know, do it again and do it again and do it again. And, you know, there I met some of my best friends that I have to this day. And, you know, I am not Luthez. I am not Eddie Guerrero. But my heart and my passion everyone in that locker room respected and my hustle. Because if I didn't get something, I, wasn't not, I was not gonna leave until I learned how to do it. It took me forever to learn how to run the ropes right. It took me forever to bump right. It took me forever to body slam right. It took me longer, it took me longer. But I was not gonna leave until I got told good job more than three times when I did a move or took a bump or posted for something. No way. No, I think that's actually 
both admirable and probably like the best situation in some ways. I know that some people that take easy to it, like sometimes that can, you know, influence them in a way that where they they don't necessarily work as hard or, or learn as hard. You know, that that kind of built in determination that it takes to like literally just do something hundreds of times until you finally get it right twice you know like that sort of thing that's a that's a that's a quality that not everyone has so i think it's definitely something to be commended for well i appreciate that but it also goes to my being raised by my grandparents and my mother but my mother was sick when i was a kid so i was around my grandparents a lot but my my grandfather worked three jobs my my grandmother raised seven kids and was a nurse like there was no all i know how to do is work hard I, it's hard for me to just half-ass, and I never do, you know? So it was just, I, I knew that I had to really give it my all, and I knew that it was going to be hard. That's the theme. I just, it goes back to, I know it's going to be hard. You put in all of the hard work. You set yourself basically like, this is what you want to do. You're going to do everything you can to it. Your first one in, last one out. Um, whenever you do get to your first match, um how did how did how was that experience for you oh it was really exciting i mean it was a match that was memorized a hundred times so i knew it um but you know it was a simple match i punched that kick i took a neck breaker and that was it oh and i got oh in my first match and this is a theme in my matches i i I had powder thrown in my face so i lose a lot of matches getting things thrown in my face apparently um but yeah, I mean, it was exhilarating and it, it was, it was, it was fun. Um, but I also knew that I was underestimated and there was this like inherent belief that I was soft because I was gay and because I was not conventionally masculine, I guess is what we could say. And I knew that in that match, it was being, I was being, you know, I knew that in that match, that I, it, they were taking it easy on me. And I was like, no one will ever take it easy on me. I'm going to have people bring it. I want people to bring it. So I knew I had to work harder. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, yeah. That's, that's interesting to me, like, that, it's, I mean, I guess, I guess, like, it makes, like, once again, like, I'd say, like, it makes sense in that, in that way that it shouldn't but i guess it's it's interesting to see like that that was something like from the very beginning i guess in a lot of ways like obviously like yes like you, like i've i've seen your matches like and just you know i've seen like i saw your documentary for matter of pride like you definitely are like somewhat gender non-conforming you are like a di- or a different a different uh I'm just, representation I'm just, sorry i'm i'm other i'm other yeah yeah, and I've, and, I've, and, I've, and I've struggled with that my entire life. It's because, you know, and also training while being homeless mm. um, was, was, was not fun. But <laughs> my entire life, I think that people want to put gay men into boxes. And I think a lot of gay men in wrestling are making the mistake of thinking that we need to be put into boxes. But I am, I am, I am feminine and I am masculine. You know, I am not one or the other. The two are not exclusive. You know, I can be both and none at the same time, you know. And I think that it's confusing for people. 
a lot of people go, are you sure you're gay? Or, 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 or they go, they go, oh yeah. And they go, you a wrestler. So it's like, you know, I think that my, my being is very other. And I think it's, it's hard to grasp, mm. you know, especially in comparison with my career counterparts, because I am so different in comparison to them. And I think for promoters and wrestlers and fans, they don't know what to make of me. And it is what it is, but this is me. You know, I'm not going to fake the fun. As well, you shouldn't. You know, I. It's interesting, like hearing, like it it said that way because it it really speaks to me personally as a as a bisexual man. You mm-hmm. know, for a there's a I. Let's just face it. There's a really toxic attitude um, sometimes towards bisexual men. It's just like basically it's a stepping stone to coming out as as gay or like you know just not really validating that identity. So like and and just existing as an other. So yeah, like I I totally feel you on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I tell my bi friends, bi gets the piece of the pie. <laughs> you know, stop this by erasure. Fuck that shit. Like people are valid. Period. By, by visibility. All day. Oh <sighs> All right. Let me light myself for a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have your first match, and of course that leads to many more. Um I believe at one point I've heard you say that you were the first um out. Uh, gay heavyweight champion in Virginia. Is that true? Yeah, I am the first uh, openly gay uh, heavyweight champion. Uh, February 25th, 2017, I won the Hampton Roads Championship uh, in uh, Virginia Beach, beating a local hometown legend, Curtis Mack. And it was, uh, it was Cinderella's Cinderella moment. It it was, it wasn't supposed to happen. I was told I would never win the belt. I was played around with, um, you know. Local wrestlers uh, would come to my matches to watch me fuck up, mm. psych me out, and make fun of me, um, in my matches. And I remember knowing that I was going over. And I remember seeing them in the crowd and them thinking, oh, Billy's just going to get fucking mauled. And I remember there's a point in the match and it proves that no matter how many bumps you take, you're still a mark. But like, he gave me a body slam on the outside and they thought it was because like I fucked up a spot he was pissed. And they all jumped up and were so excited. And I remember my best friend Falcon was in the front row and he was like, you got to get up. He's a wrestler. He was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. He at me, you got to get up. And I remember looking across and seeing those wrestlers that jeered me so excited that I, you know, was hurt or whatever. And I remember telling myself, all right, bitch, you're not done yet. They, they, they don't get to win. This is your night. Get the fuck in and finish this match. Yeah, but I got to win the championship. It was very emotional. Um, and that's a day I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. 
Did yeah. you feel any vindication from that? Yeah, because I put so much work into it. Mm-hmm. And I was told that that wasn't for me. I was told that you're not the heavyweight champion. You know, and I worked hard to get over with that audience. And I worked hard to prove that a, a, a Black audience can be accepting of a gay wrestler. And not someone that some, some I want to stress, some may feel is a caricature. I wanted to, to, to prove that, no, a Black audience can't accept a gay baby face. 150%. And we did that. And we told this great story by accident because I wasn't supposed to be the top guy or the champion, but it happened because people just were digging what I was doing. And, you know, it was a great night. Uh, (laughs) Best night. One of the best nights of my career, for sure. It's interesting that you, that you like pointed that match as uh, as one that could prove not just that wrestling fans, but like but the black wrestling fans could accept a, a gay champion. Um, do you think that like since that since that match up till now, do you think that you've seen that acceptance um, grow? Within um, community specifically? I, 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 I can't speak because, you know, the Black Wrestling fan group is not monolithic. Mm-hmm. I can only speak to the Norfolk, Virginia fans and the Virginia okay. Beach fans. They were ready for that. They were ready for that. Awesome. You know, um, I think that where I think if we're talking nationally, I think there's a lot of work that has to be done. And I think that, you know, people like Sonny and Nyla are going to bridge that gap. I think that also on the independent level, places like Fight Club or Wrestling that presents the Pan-African World Diaspora Wrestling Championship um, can really do some healing and some mending of fences between queer folk and their cishet brothers and sisters in the Black community. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we're on the cusp of hopefully creating the conversation of that healing. Is that like one of your, do you think that's one of your ultimate goals um, for oh, like being in the industry? Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, you're 100%. Fine. 100%. Yeah. And I know that the, 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 the Black queer talent on the scene, we are more than capable of, 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 of doing that. Not just myself. There's a plethora of great talent that can, can, can mend that fence. 100%. Hmm. No, I I welcome it and, and can't wait to see more of it. I know I'm I'm gonna get a little bit of a taste of that locally this coming month. Um, maybe not necessarily for um, the growth of of the black community accepting or even the black the my local black community accepting. But um, you know I live in um in Portland where despite reputation, like you don't see a lot of at least within pro wrestling, there's not a ton of um out uh people in the ring and i know mm-hmm. that um both someone i know two people that you have history with <laughs> are coming uh in december um and i'm super stoked to see them uh effie and mv young um, oh we'll, my babes yes Love both. yes uh, so i i'm i'm really excited to see to see 
that come to my town because like like you said like whether it's focusing on like a certain demographic or just like uh, the wrestling fandom and whole the more that you are able to to bridge that that gap and mm. and and build those lines of communication and and normalization like the more uh, like accepting a, a community can be um, and, and and both of those guys deserve credit for understanding that while being marginalized and those two in particular have a great deal of privilege and they use it for good. Mm-hmm. And I will always put them over for that. Effie and Envy Young are great examples of being privileged and using your privilege for good and, 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 and opening up the door for other people. Fabulous human beings, both of them. Fabulous human beings. And great wrestlers, obviously. But great oh, human yeah. beings. So speaking of Effie, though, um, I think we should move on to your time at Matter of Pride because I think that's where you, like you really your profile really started to to blossom um, within the industry. At least personally, that's where that's where I first um, latched onto you. Um, mm-hmm. How did how did you come to uh, begin working with a Matter of Pride? Um, and then, of course, we have to get into that that match at the first Eva Mania. Of course, um, yes. Well, background, uh, when Billy Dixon was a angsty teen, he would steal money to mm-hmm. trains and buses to watch Rick Cataldo wrestle. And Rick, when I first saw Rick wrestle, like, it was like, whoa, her, she is it, she is everything, she is me, I am her. And, you know, Rick would really be on the pulse of, like, seeing who's the new queer talent. And, I, and for the first matter of pride, uh, I wasn't able to make it. But the second matter of pride, you know, um, she said, hey, do you want a match? And I was like, yeah, cool. Whatever you give me is fine. And, you know, I wrestled El Elemental from California and we had a hard-headed match. <laughs> we hit a hard-hitting match. I was uh, coughing up blood at the end. The referee guy hit. Oh. She busted her nose open. We Sorry, beat the shit off. out of each other. <laughs> we beat the shit out of each other and the poor ref. But like, uh it was so much fun and it was it was euphoric and it was it was meaningful and it was a milestone and and from from that match you know i would be in contact with cataldo and the other wrestlers and from there the the brand really really grew from 2000 and you know the no shade to the 2016 group of girls no shade but Pride didn't take off until 2017 uh, mm. because I think it was just something in the air in the moment. And then Pride went into a whole new stratosphere in 2018 going forward. I I mean, I, I first discovered it like maybe late 2017, early 2018. So I think there like might be some credence to what you're saying there. Um, but obviously, like that was just the first of many appearances in that company. And, but it, it, it was quickly usurped, I think, by that, that match you had with Eddie McQueen. Um, the, the match where you unfortunately lost your hair, but I think even more interesting than the match itself is the backstory to that match. And I know you, you probably told this story countless times before, but like the, the, the Molly Holly aspect to it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's 
it's super intriguing to me to, to know, like going back to like you talked about the, the dedication that you had during your training, like seeing that dedication play out in real, like even further down the line, in in that you know, in forcing yourself kind of into onto a spot there by doing anything that like basically anything to to be in that match. Well, yeah, because you know, just I said in the documentary, Rick hated the feud. Rick mm. thought the feud wasn't getting over, and I thought that he was just wrong. And I thought, you know, me and Eddie had a brawl, and people had such a key over it in a in a locker room. And you know, the promos we were cutting were where it was it was catty promos, but there was substance behind it. And we were telling this great story, and I thought this needs to pay off. And I said, look, I'll shave my head. It's fine. Let me and Eddie have this match. And, and we'll give you what you want. We'll give you a good match. We'll give you a great story. We'll give you a great spectacle. And I'll shave my head. And I did what I had to do. And honestly, I think that kind of speaks to, like, story overall in a lot of ways um, of you in the industry. From from what I've seen as a as a viewer, you know, it's like just doing whatever you need to do to keep moving forward and to keep getting to that next height. Um, which oddly enough does did come um with your feud with the aforementioned Effie um mm-hmm. later on down the line at the I believe that was the 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 uh, big gay street fight if I'm not mistaken big street fight at Diva Mania first yes. match in Diva Mania history yes 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 that match before we get into like any, the backstory with that because I know there was a, oddly enough current events speaking about like things that have a racial tinge to them um the backstory to that match um and and the build-up to that match is is really interesting to get into but um the match itself uh i just have to say like anybody that hasn't seen it go check it out it is hard-hitting entertaining um and i i know i it was the perfect opener to 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 that sort of uh monumental event that I hope will continue going forward with a matter of pride. Well, thank you. I mean, I, th- that match was fun. That match was fun. And me and him had a great time and me and him, you know, he, he gave me license to call it. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is like too behind the curtain, but I don't give a shit. He gave me license to call a lot of it and to, and he really was just like, you know, what do you want to do? This is your match. This isn't my match. This is your match. And having the understanding that this was a payoff for the character. And that's how we kind of put this together. Um, and, the, and, and, and also Effie being a good, a good person to understand, like, again, using your privilege for good. And I was like, hey, I want to tell the story. He consented. He was like, and I was like, anything off limits? And he said, no. And the story, I think, maybe was a little too complex, a little too uh, real, I guess, for lack of a better term. Because mm-hmm. me and Effie, I just want to make it clear, because now it's, been a, it's almost been a year. We never had had heat. We don't hate each other. We get along. We kiki. We text. Um, we're going to be hanging out a lot, Mania Week next year. So, you know, I hate to kill that, but like we never hated each other. 
and all we did was root for each other um, in the feud. Um, I remember when I cut that promo, What's Good Effie, I knew that it was gonna elicit a strong reaction. And I knew that I wanted to cut a promo about a, I knew that my character was unique and I wanted to cut a promo about this character who doesn't know how to put it together and win the big one. He always loses when it counts. And he, he, he is aware of the history of like queerness and black queerness and he sees a white main event and it drives him over the edge. And he goes and he's just like, you know, I'm busting my ass here too and you people don't love me. Why don't you love me? I shaved my head, I went through a table, I have good matches, I cut good promos. You guys just don't love me. It has to be because I'm black. Because I'm different. Because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, what, 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 why, why don't you bite the way you bite for him? Is it because I'm not as commercially gay, quote unquote? You know, so that was the, 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 the motivation behind starting the feud and the feud. And the character was like, no, I'm fucking valid. Because there was a lot of scuttlebutt online that I wasn't talented or good enough to wrestle Effie. You know, uh, when I cut that What's Good Effie promo, you know, a lot of white queer fans let me have it. And in my uh, <laughs> DMs called me the N-word and everything. So they were very galvanized to protect white queerness. Um, so, you know... I was like, oh, I'm doing my job. This is real. But like, holy shit, y'all are fucking racist. Um, and you're not understanding that this in this feud, there is no heel. That was the best part about th- there was no heel. He's busting his ass doing his thing. I'm not questioning his validity. I'm questioning why you don't see my validity. So if I got to take you out, that I'll be the crab in the bucket. That was the whole feud. I guess that got lost in translation. And maybe that's my fault as a performer for giving, and this is no shade, giving the fans too much credit that they were nuanced enough to get it. Mm. I know that, you know, it's fake. But, you know. um, So, yeah. But the match was fun. And we included, you know, like, the nobodies who I was beefing with, you know, and and, and then, you know... my friend Ashton Star was there and it was just this 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 moment and you know Effie putting me over clean in the middle and this moment of like you know sincere gratitude of like thank you because like with his privilege he put me over and that match is now the Billy Dixon match for right now. You know, people refer to that number one with a bullet. Mm-hmm. And and you know I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful that a matter of pride at the time was willing to tell that story. Our own community bashed us and me in particular for that, but I'm glad that that story was attempted to be told as, at, at all. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell simple stories. I'm not really interested in that. You know, if you want to just watch simple shit, watch WWE. You know, you want to watch cute shit. There's a lot of cute indies out here. I, 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 I believe that wrestling fans deserve foie gras. They don't always have to eat French fries. Honestly, that's that's probably the best way that has been put that I've heard in a long time. 
because honestly, I, I I think that wrestling for the longest time as a storytelling medium um, has been downplayed in what it can actually do, and and the your the whole story with you and Effie. Um, even if it did go over some fans' heads, even if it did uh, elicit so much vitriol out of the community, um, like you received, uh, those those types of stories need to be told. There needs to be intersectionality in in pro wrestling because I mean, anybody can can set up a something that's just you know simple like like you were talking about but to have the the commitment and the foresight to see that you can actually have a message um to what you want to do and with your story building up to a match and then even within the match as well um like i think i mean that's the direction that i want to see wrestling go that's the kind of wrestling that i enjoy watching so it's just it's just i'm so tired of seeing the the company doesn't believe in me and now i'm gonna magically become the top guy i'm, I'm over that i'm over that yeah daniel bryan did that best punk did that best becky was 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 cute um we can we can put that story to goddamn bed you know mm. we live in such a relevant time where we're having conversations let's have conversations let's talk about let's talk about cool things this is fucking fate why is it that we can watch Pose, which I love Pose. Oh yeah. And they can't tackle these these relevant issues. This is us tackles relevant issues. You know, reality television tackles relevant issues. But in pro wrestling, we don't want to step up the level of stories we can tell. On a card yeah. that had a lot of comedy and bullshit, one serious story. That to me is the problem. On a card that was had a lot of variety, you had an issue with one story that was super serious. That that that's the issue. Yeah, um, and arguably it's the story that needed to be told the most. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of erasure of black talent and black queer talent, mm-hmm. and in the gay community, queer erasure of black people and in particular black trans people, and that was part of the motivation was was you know in my way this is my weird way of like vindicating like the trans woman that shaped the culture completely being erased you know gay culture didn't start with RuPaul it just didn't no it started way before her she's aware of that you know but like these new you know young white gays that don't know is drag race they don't learn their history you know and to take a little detour, this white gay fan told me why I wasn't like Sunny Kiss. Mm. They said, I don't want to see serious stuff. Why don't you use your spirit, your platform, like Sunny Kiss? Number one, me and Sunny Kiss are cool, so there's no heat with Sunny. Number two, I believe in autonomy. Sunny can do whatever the fuck he wants with his platform, and I can do whatever the fuck I want. Number three, Sunny has told race, racial stories in his career. And this goes into otherism where, and and there's no easy way to say this, there is commercial queerness that's being accepted by wrestling. And then there's like realness queerness that is being rejected. 
And I am rejected a lot because, you know, they want us all to be highly feminine and all look that same way. And there's nothing, I'm not making Sonny invalid in that statement because he's phenomenally talented and he deserves to be where he's at. But we are not monolithic. You know, you're a gay wrestling fan throwing shade at me and you're wearing oversized jeans and an ugly shirt from Old Navy, you know, you're not necessarily giving me queer eye for the straight guy. You know, so in your life, you can be that, but I can't be me. That's a problem. You know, and it's in particular, it, it goes to this racial narrative of, well, you're, he's a good black faggot and you're not a good black faggot. You're an angry one because you can't enjoy your seat at the table. I don't have a seat at the table. I have to bring my own chair to sit at the table. That's the difference. I understand being mild-mannered and polite and going with the flow to get where you need to be. Something wrong with that. I just completely reject respectability politics. And uh, I think that, you know, with that story brought up a lot of the underlying feelings that gay wrestling fans have probably never really got to express, but always thought in their head subconsciously. And I think that that's really how that all kicked off. Well, I, I imagine it had to be cathartic in some way. Oh, yeah, because it's cathartic when people think that me and Effie hate each other and we just don't. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's cathartic to me. It's cathartic when promoters go, that was really ballsy. I appreciate that you did that. Or that that feud is the reason why I got booked at primetime. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Lolo uh, and, and Gator, who I, I love them so much. And Gator, I, I'm known for a year. And uh, I met Lolo this year. And I talked to them. And they were telling me about primetime, how they, um, they really enjoyed that program. And they thought that it was a necessary story that needed to be told and done very well. And I was really appreciative that they acknowledged that. Well, that's actually really awesome to hear that 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 story and that match in particular, like obviously, like for the fans, like I think, like you said, that's the number one match that you or is brought up to you um, by people. But to know that people within the industry recognize that and it helped you advance um, your own career from that, like that's. That's really awesome to hear. And I know um I know Lo is uh somewhat of a friend of the show. So as so a like shout out to, to Lo. So that that's really cool to hear that, that um that 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 happened for you. Yeah, it was it was it was nice to be acknowledged that way. Anytime I a fan meets me, they ask me two questions. Number one, how are you? Number two, what does FE's P taste like? <laughs> and my answer is always the same cinnamon mm. I was going to refrain from that question but I'm glad you answered it anyway <laughs> I'm here to give oh. the people what they want exactly uh, so I guess coming off of the, the, the Effie match and moving into like, obviously you have a really awesome um, opportunity with, with primetime um down in the DC area, 
but I'm sure like this is still just the beginning for you. Like I know there's still many other places. I'm sure that you that you want to go. Many other stories that you want to tell. Um, I guess what would you say is um, the your ultimate goal that you have left for as you go forward in the industry? Uh, that I don't want to be a wrestler in my <laughs> five years. Yeah. Um, I want to be uh, in a creative capacity, actually. Uh, I love wrestling. Don't, let me let me refrain, because people will be like, what do you mean you don't want to work? Um, I love wrestling. However, I'm noticing that a lot of my peers need a little bit of help with crafting stories, character development, promos, underline promos, double underline promos, triple underline promos. Um, uh, and I think that my talents might be better served in a creative producing agent aspect, even though like, I don't have like 35 years of experience, but, um, I think that, you know, when I'm done wrestling, let me put it that way. When I'm done wrestling, I would really like to contribute creatively. Um, because I think that, you know, I studied Dusty Rhodes. I've studied Paul Heyman, I've studied Vince McMahon, Bill Watts, uh, Eddie Graham, all the great American bookers, uh, Jed on Ghetto. I, I've studied all the philosophies, and I feel like I have a really great perspective to contribute. And I would really like the opportunity to do so, or get my career in a place where I can pull a Cody Rhodes and be like, I'm starting my own shit. <laughs> no. So, you know, that's something I really would like to. Uh, do and accomplish. Hmm. I I mean I think that would be awesome to see if you were able to start your own shit. Personally, like I'd be I'd be very inter- curious to see what what would come out of that. Um, just considering the the wide uh, repertoire that you have, you know, going from like something serious like the Effie feud to the the bodega brawl that you had for Uncanny Attractions, um, which is which is borderline absurd. In a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, I like I like it all. I think there was this perception of me that I was like a mark for myself, like, and I just was like took myself too seriously. It's like I know I have a really wicked sense of humor. Like I wanted to do the Bronx Bodega Brawl for like a year and a half, and then uh, uh, me and Envy Young talked, and I was like, you know, if you ever want to do like a gimmick match, like here's an idea, and he was just like, all right, let's do it. So we did it. It was fucking nuts no i i agree with you on that like i like i said like i said in in the piece like anybody that's willing to break out a brick of cafe bustello and uh, a bacon egg and cheese as weapons in a match like i am all the way for that i'm all the way there more bacon egg and cheese in matches except for that <laughs> cotton mouth oh you got five more minutes to go <laughs> Uh, so you lost it down with Fabuloso. Oh God, yes. I suffer for my craft. It's all right. You know what? We we appreciate the suffering. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I can't I can't let you get out of here um, before we wrap up here. I just have to say one shout out for that Selena shirt in that match. That oh, was beautiful. Oh yes, totally. And then of course the. 
I don't know if it came across as well on the Fight TV presentation, but the Bill Nakano Halloween co- the costume during that match as well, like spot on. Thanks. They had a uh, you know I have to thank Uncanny for that. They had a really good um, makeup artist uh, that did my makeup, and he uh, was super great conversationalist and also really just hooked me up and you know had that lighting been probably a little lighter i think it probably would have read across also had my head not got shaved the year prior i would have dyed my hair blue and did the gimmick but i was gonna wrestle in the wig i didn't have time to style it and dye it and all that but if you liked it you liked it if you got it you got it if you did it you saw some big dude in a cutoff t-shirt with blue lipstick so it's all good <laughs> exactly that's good in and of itself honestly mm-hmm. um so billy i thank you once again for for joining me um i guess where can people find you on the internet and and you know just where can they see you live okay well if you want to follow me on social media my social media is at the billy dixon on all the places um Things I have coming up, <clears throat> I am bringing back uh, my Billy Dixon joints, short films. Uh, New Year's Day 2020, I will be dropping What Happened. Um, I am also working on uh, Cardi B Red Bar Freestyle uh, Remix that I'm going to be dropping, which will also talk about the year in wrestling for Billy Dixon in 2019. Um, I will be at Pro Wrestling Magic um, in November and December. And in January, somehow, some way, my big ass has to climb up a structure in prime time on the 19th, I think, with me and Bob Orlando challenge for the tag titles. Uh, and that will be interesting. Um, March 7th, uh, I will be one of the figureheads for Primetime Pro Wrestling's Butch versus Gore, um, which is their first ever Pride event, which is going to be really exciting. And... Um, I guess I can announce it here that I've been a part of the creative process on that. And you can all call me your queer mander in chief. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of cool things that are surprises lined up. And yeah, 2020 is going to be lit. Really pay attention for Tampa. Tampa's going to be lit. Oh, yeah. No, I think all eyes are on Tampa right now. Like, with for the, for the Culture, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, like, so many other, like, awesome events going down there. Like, yeah. It, it's actually... I, I've i seen talk about the, um, the event on March 7th. Oddly enough, that's my birthday. So, that's... I, I maybe, maybe I can find my way out there and have myself a fun birthday while taking in some awesome queer pro wrestling. I will tell you this, that me and Lolo specifically are working really hard to make this probably one of the most sensory overloaded experiences in wrestling history. It's going to be a lot and a lot of all the good things and all the good feels. And I really hope that people are excited uh, for what we got planned. It is going to be super, super dope. And Gator is awesome for extending the olive branch to me as well as being a part of this process and it's going to be a lot of new queer talent a lot of established queer talent and a lot of fun and games welcome to the jungle rad 
Well, Billy, I appreciate you taking the time today to join me and, and talk about everything. Um, this has been a blast. Likewise, thank you so much for having me on, Brian. You know, what can I say? Like, I, that was intense in all the best ways and informative and even more. Um, I can't thank Billy enough for stopping by the show and being willing to be as open and as forthright with um, both his thoughts and experiences within the industry. Um, he really does have a um, a mind for it. And, you know, if he does move into a more creative role after his time in the ring is over, even though his career is just getting started um, in a lot of ways, um, I think that uh, whoever gives him that shot will have a good one on their hands. And also, I would definitely suggest um, that anyone that wants to hear more about Billy's story definitely look up uh, the documentary that he was featured in. It's a short documentary, about 10, 10 to 15 minutes, um, over on A Matter of Pride's YouTube channel. That uh, It's a quick but informative, informative and powerful watch. Anyway, so that does bring us to the end of this week's edition of LGBT in the Ring. Um, but we can't get out of here before we throw some more shout-outs to some awesome people that help make the show what it is. Uh, first off, big shout-out to Daniel Quasar for the Progress Pride Flag design that we use in our logo. Uh, the Progress Pride Flag design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And then, of course, our awesome theme song, Formula 666, by the band Sarah and the Safe Word, off of their album Red Hot and Holy. show wouldn't be the same without it. Just a banger. You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. Um, you can check out my writing at outsports.com. And of course, if you're into video games as well, I do co-host a pretty awesome uh, if I do say so myself, video game news podcast uh, with a couple of awesome Twitch streamers, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. It goes live every Monday on twitch.tv slash Entertainment at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Um, all around fun stuff there. Um, and of course, before we get out of here, one more time, Follow the Bill, follow Billy Dixon at the Billy Dixon on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to find him. Follow him, pay attention to him. But that's all for this week. Until next time. Bye.